your horse training questions answered. Answered. Welcome to the Carson James Podcast, your weekly boost of horsemanship. No jargon, no fluff, and no BS. Just natural, proven solutions that work. And now, here's Carson James. All right, we've got a question from Scott here. Scott is asking, well, it's really more of a statement, actually. It says, uh, Carson, can you explain softness and what that actually is? Uh, I'm actually really excited to talk about this one because this is another one of those things where I feel like uh, a lot of people's understanding about it is kind of like a half-truth or something like that. But anyways, so let's start off with what the generalization of softness would be. And, you know, people, they talk about it like it's this elusive, mystical thing, like having softness in the horse, but it's really not. So there's a couple different aspects to it, but first, let's talk about the physical because that's the one that people usually uh, put their focus on. Now, Most people, when they think of a horse being soft, they think of it as being soft in his pole, meaning when you pick up the reins, he will not allow you to add heavy contact because he flexes his pole and he brings his chin down and in. And the only way you could get to heavy contact is if you pulled harder from that point. So the horse is kind of using his his neck or his pole where his head attaches to his neck. He's kind of using that like a spring to keep there from being heavy contact. Now, although it is true that a horse does need to understand how to give to the bit with his pole laterally, which is left and right, and vertically. Okay, here's the thing. People get so caught up on softness in the pole, they completely forget about the feet. A lot of people, I I worked with a guy on a ranch, a very experienced cowboy, and we were working cattle and we had to cut some of them out, right? And there was a couple that would get by him every now and then because when his horse would turn as the cow turned, the horse would kind of creep up forward into the cow's flight zone or kind of the cow's bubble, making the cow move even faster, and therefore the horse would get beat and the cow would get by the horse. Uh, When I say get beat, I mean the cow would beat the horse, not the human. But anyways, then he made a remark and he said, yeah, he's pretty good at tucking his chin in, but he loses that softness as he goes through the turn with the cow, uh, you know, he's probably doing that because of speed. The speed just wasn't good enough at it. But anyways, said if I could, he he said if I could just get him to maintain that tuck, those cows would stop beating me. Now, see, he like a lot of other people, even real experienced horse people, they think that you control a horse by controlling the softness in his pole, and that's not true at all. The softness in the neck and the pole and, well, let's, let's go ahead and say the mouth, is only supposed to complement the control of the feet. So remember, you don't control a horse by controlling his face. You control a horse by controlling his feet. Now, a lot of people like, you know, people that start cults for a living and everything, 
their biggest focus is that everything that that cult does, he does it with his head down and his chin tucked in a little bit. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but where the problem comes in, and you guys have probably ridden some horses like this to where you're riding along and you try to get the horse to stop. And instead of him stopping really nice, he just kind of tucks in his chin and real gradually slows down and doesn't really try to stop very good. Meaning the pull went to his face, but it did not really go to his feet or the signal or whatever you want to call it. Another example that's probably even more common is when you're trying to turn your horse and he bends his neck, but the feet do not follow the the direction his head is pointed or the feet are not following the nose. That's another example of having softness in the neck, but not having it connected to the feet as it should be. So it works so, so much better if you pretty much ignore what his head is doing. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I can't do that because he'll start tossing his head. We'll get to that in a minute. Completely ignore what his head is doing and put all of your focus of your timing, your pressure, your release, all that. Divert all of your focus into feeling his feet and what they're doing when they're pushing through the bit, when they're yielding to the bit, or your hands, hackamore, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and focus on that. That way you can be timing your release or when you slacken off with exactly what the feet are doing. That's the key to getting a horse really nice really quickly, right? Is having that really good timing so he can make those associations very early on at like hyperspeed. So if you can first get the feet operating good and light, and let's go ahead and say soft, uh, i.e. it doesn't weigh a whole lot. Like if you want your horse to back up, you pretty much just kind of take the slack out of the reins to where you feel a little bit of contact on his mouth. And then instead of you feeling like you're having to pull the horse back, this is an example of, of true softness. Instead of you feeling like you have to pull the horse back, you just simply present the, the light feel that would be asking him to back, you know, picking up the reins with a very slight, we're talking one ounce contact of back pressure on the reins. Now, I know I've said this like eight times, but I keep getting on rabbit trails. But anyways, and when he goes to back, instead of you feeling like you're having to physically pull the horse back, you simply pick up that soft feel, right? And the feet will come to life and be and feel like they are carrying you back. The horse is doing all of the backing. All you're doing is presenting a signal and the horse is saying, hey, I'm going to start backing up because you've taught him that when he feels that, you've made it his idea to back up through good timing of pressure and release. Now, there are so many, way, way, way more horses, even, uh, you know, horses that are like 10, 15, 20 years old to where if you tried to back them, it wouldn't feel like that. They would be heavy in the feet or they might head toss, you know, put their nose up or brace against and push on your hands. Or they might be really soft and giving in their face and their pole, but the feet just feel draggy and heavy. So that would be an example of having softness in the face, but not having it transfer down to the feet. Uh, 
So once again, if you can get the feet operating really, really well, then come back, circle back around more or less, and begin adding softness in the face to all of the maneuvers, turning, stopping, side passing, et cetera, et cetera. That works so much better. And I used to experiment. I would start one cult uh, really focusing on the face and then the other on the feet. And 12 out of 10 times, uh, the horse that I focused on the feet was so much better to ride at the end of 30 days. Like, you you literally felt like his feet were at the tip of your fingers because they were. Now that other horse that I focused on the face, you felt like his face was at the tip of your fingers, but his feet, you had to reach and dig a little bit to, to get a good hold of those. And remember, you control a horse by controlling his feet, not his face. So, uh, you know, it makes perfect sense why the outcome would be like that. But uh, let's see, what else could we say about softness? Oh, right. Uh, so what about head tossing? Remember earlier I said just ignore their face and focus on the feet. Okay, well, here's the thing about the head tossing. The only reason that a horse tosses his head is he's trying to figure out a way to alleviate himself from the pressure he is currently feeling or the pressure that he thinks he's about to feel. All right? Okay, well, a horse that backs up really, really good that does not toss his head one bit. Think about this. It's the same thing. That horse is doing the same thing, mentally speaking. So the head tossing horse has found a way to kind of alleviate himself from pressure by throwing his head up. Okay. Well, the horse that backs up really good, exact same thing. That horse has found a way to keep pressure from being put on him. So to the horse, they're both doing the same thing. They're both trying to keep the pressure at bay. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter if it's a reining horse that'll do a 20-foot bridalist stop, a dressage horse, anything. The reason they do everything that they do, whether they're doing things that humans call you know, negative behavior or bad, you know, undesirable behavior or desirable, they are all attempting to keep the pressure at bay. Okay, so a more educated hand or more educated rider would be able to develop a horse in such a way to where the things that that horse did to keep the pressure at bay were side passing, turning, stopping, uh, rearing up if he was a trick horse, whatever. Whereas the more uneducated rider would not have the skill and the timing and the communication to transfer it to where it came across to the horse that way. And that horse would be the one that was head tossing and, you know, rearing up and running sideways randomly and doing all of these random things that we think are undesirable traits or a horse misbehaving, but that horse is doing nothing more than the other horse that's really, really broke. He's just trying to keep the pressure at bay, but he has no idea how to do it because it was not taught to him and he doesn't understand it. Therefore, he's always in a state of confusion and in a state of uncertainty, which 
you know, lowers his confidence and causes his self-preservation to rise. Then he gets on the defense. He becomes bracy in his mind and his body, and it's just a domino effect, and that's how we end up with what we call horse problems. We always tell people at clinics that a horse never does, you know, before we even start, we say, all right, you guys, if you can just start to believe this, your horse is going to get really nice really fast. And then what we say is, is, a horse does not ever do anything wrong, and a horse does not ever do anything right. A horse just simply does more of what feels good to him and less of what does not feel good to him. Now, from there, it's up to the rider to basically set up that path of least resistance with good timing, clarity, communication, pressure, uh, more pressure, less pressure, whatever, to where the horse actually sees what that path of least resistance is, least resistance is, and then he will walk right down that path. He just has to know what that path is. So, uh, yeah, we kind of we kind of cover uh, we kind of covered head tossing. You know, generally when now this isn't always you know, but generally when. Someone needs a tie-down, running martingales, any kind of head restraint device. That's just how you immediately know that the timing of their hands has not quite gotten to the point to where the hands can do the job of the tie-down, the running martingale, or whatever. Now, once you have a horse to where his feet are, you know, kind of right at the tip of your fingers and he's operating really, really nicely, well, then you can begin to add form and posture and uh, even loading of the feet, i.e. collection and all those things, to that foot control. But if you have no foot control, you have nothing to... You have nothing to enhance it, or you have... You have n- nothing to use that softness for. So the the reason that a horse needs to be soft in his face and his body and his neck and his ribs and his back and his loins and all this is so you can enhance the foot control. But if you don't already have the foot control, then it's like trying to... Uh, let me think of a good analogy here. It's like... I don't know, it would be like trying to turn on the air conditioner in your car, but having all the windows down at the same time, maybe. It's not a great analogy, but you know what I'm saying. So, um, you need to get the softness in the feet, and what you'll find is when you focus on the feet, generally, you know, by about, you know, 40 to 60 rides, when you get those feet really coming along good and right there in your hands, where you don't have to dig so to speak, to get the appropriate response from the feet. When you get all that going right, by the time you get that, normally you will find that the softness in the rest of the body is already beginning to develop all on its own. Uh, And another thing that's, you know, another thing that's really worth mentioning about the softness thing is that a lot of people like a horse to constantly go around with his chin real low and really tucked in. 
because they they feel that that makes him travel better and more athletic and in a better posture. And it can, but it can also uh, go the other way. And instead of giving you collection, it can make him dump even more weight on his front end if you try to do that prematurely. So, you know, a lot of people may feel that, well, let me get him soft in his pulse so he'll start trotting around really good and not hollowing out his back and things like that. Well, generally, if you try to do that without building up the right strength uh, or the right muscles and the strength in the horse for the the elements that are necessary for collection, all you'll wind up with is a horse that goes around with his chin tucked in, but he's dumped all of his weight down onto his front end even worse than before. So you think, okay, well, how do you fix, you know, a hollow back and a high head and all that? Well, if you can get to where you can truly ride the horse and move with him and, you know, have the independent seat where you're not using the reins for balance and all that, that is how you get a horse to traveling around, you know, with a natural form and posture like he would when he was uh, like out in the pasture or something like that. And then later on, you know, much later on, then would come the contact with the bit, bringing the chin down and in, and then driving the hind end up into the bit or his mouth. And from that would eventually come collection after you built up the back muscles and the uh, the loins and made all that stuff real strong. Now, that could be a, a, another 30-minute discussion about collection, but just know that collection and an even balance posture. Collection is just balance. Uh, collection is not a horse having his head uh, down or his chin tucked in. Collection is when a horse takes the additional 15 to, I don't know, 20% of weight that's on his front end, and every horse is born like that. Every horse is front endy. It's where he takes that additional weight and he shifts his weight rearward to where now his weight is equally loaded on all four feet instead of all, most of it being on the front end. Okay, so he shifts his weight rearward, evenly loads his feet, and then travels forward. That is what collection actually is. Now, the arch in the neck and the chin coming down and in and the lifting of the back, those are all results of collection. A lot of people try to build that backwards, but... The chin coming down and in and all those other things that his body will do, those are what happens because he's collected. They do not really cause the collection. So anyways, uh, now there's, we should also mention real briefly about mental softness. That's the very first thing you're going for when you start a cult, when you uh, try to fix a horse that doesn't lunge good or a horse that bucks or rears up or something, uh, generally you will find that that horse is not mentally soft. Meaning when you ask him to do pretty much anything, he does it in kind of a panicked way, a bothered way, a non-paying attention kind of way, an excited way, or even, uh, you know, a way that's too lazy where he's just like, don't do dum don't do dum That'll also uh, cause negative, a negative mental state in a horse, which can lead to bucking, bolting, rearing, all that fun stuff. So uh, mental softness, or another word we've talked about it before, is uh, 
you know, having a horse where he's neutral minded. So let's see another. So softness or being neutral in the mind uh, or mental softness and neutral in the mind. Good examples of that would be like a horse that is not buddy sour or a gate sour or has no kind of magnet. When you're riding that horse around, you do not feel him trying to graduate any one particular direction. Uh, he's just kind of right there underneath you kind of saying, well, I have really no plans of my own. So what do you want me to do? I'll do it. That's mental softness. Uh, if you ever seen anybody get on a cult that was not ready to have a human up above his back, perhaps you'll see that cult raise his head and he kind of braces in his body and locks up his feet when you're going to get on him and his eye gets a little bit big and he just, he kind of has like this froze look to him. Okay, well, that is a really good example of a lack of mental softness. Now, you picture a 25-year-old ranch horse that's, you know, been ridden for years and all the little kids ride him, even the kid that doesn't know how to ride, they can just jump on that thing and he'll take care of him. And he's always got a real soft eye. He moves real calm and, you know, everything's good. Okay, well, that's an example of mental softness. So if you if you were to put it in an order, you would go for mental softness and that would come through the groundwork, you know, getting uh, some good things established in that. It would come from the way you saddled him, the way you uh, got on him. Uh, you know, a horse being uh, mentally soft would be one that stands still when you go to get on him. Not because he's been forced or trained to stand still to be mounted, more or less, but because he's mentally soft, he has no, he has no reason that he knows of to move. So he doesn't feel that he needs to move around because he's mentally soft. Uh, one that is not would feel like he had to move around or have a lot of excess movement. Now, a really good example of horses that are not mentally soft, hardly ever, would be like a barrel horse. Now, there are some that are truly broken, you know, their minds are right and stuff, but that would be a really good example. Uh, and then like a horse that was mentally soft, maybe figure like a reining horse. You watch a reining horse out on a show ring and they just go around with, you know, a soft expression and everything looks good. They don't run through the bit and all that. So now you can, you say, well, how do you get, you know, mental softness? Well, it's in the way that you catch them, the way you halter them, the way you ask them to get on the trailer, the way you handle them when they don't want to let you pick up their feet, uh, you know, mounting them with good technique, lunging them correctly, good groundwork, all of that. And then, you know, even in your writing, correct writing will produce mental softness. So it's not something that you have to devote exercises to get. You just have to get right within yourself, more or less. That might sound a little cliche, but it's completely true. And, uh, that stuff will, that mental softness will start to come in all areas, in the trailer loading, in the riding, the loping, the side passing, the turning, the backing, all that. And uh, the, you know, a lot of you, you can get on a horse that 
has some spots where he's not mentally soft, and he also will not be physically soft in those spots because you can't have one without the other. But a lot of the times, you can start working on getting better control of the feet, and as you get, well, actually, I'm going to say every time, as you get better control of those feet, you will find that the mind is starting to turn loose and soften as well. So you get you get that mindset through having refined control of the feet on the ground and in the saddle. So I hope that helps you guys with maybe the way you would go about asking your horse to be soft, whether it would be, you know, in the neck, the face, the feet, whatever. Uh, that reminds me of one more thing. Say, well, what happens if you pick up the rein and he turns really good, but he has no bend or, you know, something like that? Okay, well, then that would be the point to where you would start to focus a little more of your timing and your pressure on, you know, giving a release when there was a little bend and building that up. So, see, you would get control of the feet, and then as you rode the horse, you know, for the next months or weeks or whatever, you would start to throw in, hey, get a little bend here. Hey, tip your nose down in for three seconds while you back up, and then you can go back to a loose rein. Also remember that riding a horse with contact is a good thing if it's done right, but just like anything else, if you overdo that, it will start to make him be not mentally soft. You have to, you know, for every, just figure for every five minutes you ride on contact, asking him to have his chin down and in, you need to have five minutes on a loose rein, letting him be have the feeling of looseness and freeness and being able to easily move. That's what keeps them mentally sound, mentally soft. So, uh, you know, even when you start working on softness in the face, you have to be sure you don't just ride him around all the time, asking him to have his chin down and in and be on contact with the bit. That's a really, really common thing that happens. And you say, well, why is that? Well, it's because, you know, Horses are not really made to be claustrophobic type animals. Uh, so when the rider always rides the horse with a feeling of confinement instead of looseness, then that's exactly what will happen. The horse will get confined in his body and confined in his feet. Another word for that would be braces and tenseness. And if he gets like that in his body and his feet, you can absolutely bet your whole entire place that he is going to be getting braces in his mind. Then you'll see the buddy sour and, you know, all the common horse problems. So see, it's all interrelated stuff. All right. So I hope that helps you guys out. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, Shoot, now I forgot the name of the guy that asked the question. Uh, Todd. Todd, thank you. Uh, yeah, so Todd, I hope that helps you out, and I hope it gives you some stuff to play with and uh, see see what you can get working with it. You've been listening to the Carson James Podcast. Real. Simple. Horsemanship. Subscribe now to get new questions answered every week. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, drop us a review and share it with your horsey friends. 